Um, do you think anyone has ever brewed tea in a bowl? What do you mean? <laughs> Elaborate. Man, these thoughts are high. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't your dad smell something a couple days ago? Nah, he was imagining things. <laughs> oh, but uh, on to but, the- no, sorry, sorry. I need to tell this story because just talking about brewing yeah. tea in a pot uh, just lends itself to pot. I remember when I was in um, elementary school, my friend's sister was a big time stoner, and she had convinced her mother that she had marijuana scented incense. <laughs> is that not the, is that not the greatest? Uh, that is a win. Judo move. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, no mom. I don't smoke pot. I just, uh, I just really like the enjoy smell. the smell of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even in elementary school, I thought that was like the greatest flip on a parent you can do. Yeah, that's. I was way too innocent for pot in elementary <laughs> school. What What do you know about in in Iowa? That you do know, know that Iowa is like per capita the most meth out of any state. Yeah. Now it goes back and forth between you know Louisiana and Nebraska, but we're uh, we're always fighting for first. But there's nothing. You guys well, live in Miami. You had things to do. We didn't that's have, true. I was going to say I didn't smoke. I didn't like. It just doesn't agree with me. But it, you just knew about it. You know what was going on. Um, and, you know, yeah. there's nothing else. It's, I was going to say yeah. back to Iowa, like we were talking about Tom Arnold a little while ago. I mean, how his sister is like the queen of meth. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Iowan thing. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, hey, Rex, I'm glad you still have all your teeth. Yeah, as of today. Yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not even once. As I pull them out. <laughs> oh, and you can see it, too. They get the they get the brown and gray teeth. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, you smoked meth, didn't you? Because there's, there's something about it that just kills your teeth. Yeah. Well, not just that, but then they get the scratches, right? So they got like a bunch of mm-hmm. sores on the face. Get the yeah. not even once, no. <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, but going back to growing up in Miami, yeah, we did have things to do, um, which actually put okay. like a damper on my. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know. That was definitely what's his name, David Suarez. No, well, him for sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this kid in high school got caught cheating uh on standardized tests he got caught by by trying to crawl through the vents to like literally like like cartoon stuff to sneak into the room to to try to get a hold of the the copy of the test and and, now mind you that by the specifics he made it through the vents and managed to cheat but got caught on his way out yeah (laughs) Yeah. Oh, gosh, I love it. It was a perfect plan until I needed a way to get out. Yeah. yeah. yeah true cartoon level stuff at our school in Miami. When you find out about this, like you have to be upset, but you're also like, well, you know, for ingenuity's sake, like I have to, you know, give you a little bit of a tip of the cap to you. No, this guy was a jackass. No, just straight up jackass. You know, Nothing. And- Is this where you sit him down and be like, you understand the time that you would put in planning this scheme, you could have just studied for the test and passed it. Yeah. And the thing is, he's a smart kid. He's probably one of the, you know, top 15 or 20 smartest kids in our grade level. Just a complete, and he was a wrestler too. So smart and athletic, like, you know, 
like a golden combination, but just a total douche lord. <laughs> so <laughs> I was actually on the swimming and water polo team with this guy. Um, and straight up the coach, like he showed up, he would show up once a week or once every other week for practice. And one day he shows up and the coach is like, nah, man, just go home. Just, just go home. <laughs> and so he, he came out of the locker room, said what's up to the coach and went back in. <laughs> I love it. That's great. That is great. Uh, but no, I was talking about our, our guitarist, David. I don't even remember his last name anymore. Or the name of his band. Uh, you know, I don't know. He's a local band, metalhead. He really liked mindless self-indulgence back in the day. Wait, you mean here in uh, Florida or down yeah, in Miami? Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Oh, okay. Nah, man, I don't remember his name. But you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he he ran his hair short. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, okay. The dude wasn't the Z. Exactly. All right, cool. Yes. Yeah, he's a, yeah. All right. All right, moving on. Um, we wanted to do a segment today talking about high watermark. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard a high watermark from us before, it's where we kind of look at a public figure. It could be an actor, musician, politician, I guess, if we were so inclined. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And we try to find like the pinnacle of their success, not necessarily their professional success or their career success, but maybe their personal success or whatever. We try to find the highlight of their success as it might pertain to them. And I suppose we could just, you know, get famous and do interviews with these people and ask them, but it's much more easy for us. Even there, <laughs> even there, well, you're probably not getting a straight answer either. Like it was, you know, my kid, when my kid came up and gave me a hug and all that stuff where they, you know, that's not well, really. Yeah. Cause you would have to differentiate between a personal success mm -hmm. and a public uh, career success, mm -hmm. which is, is hard because these dudes jump from, uh, if you're an actor, you jump from studio to studio. And if you take a dump on, you know, oh, like, oh, my greatest work was Forrest Gump is like, well, what the fuck do you think Philadelphia was? Yeah. Well, I, but I don't, you know, but that, yeah, you're right. Okay. Well, and I remember <laughs> it, it was a long time ago, but I remember when The Patriot was coming out, Mel Gibson was like, this is the greatest movie I've ever been a part of. And it was like, I, even in my youth, like, oh, this is crap. Like, he's just doing this to promote a movie. Right. Like, Although and it's something it that he us, has more skin in and yeah. It, it did give us um, up, up until Batman, maybe Heath Ledger's strongest role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Brokeback Mountain. The, the Patriot was way before that and was Brokeback before or after Batman. Okay. Obviously before. before. You're yeah. right. Um, but yeah, but what I'm getting is he was pitching a movie and he was right. financially oh, yeah. invested. I'm sure he, cause I know famously was a director of Braveheart, but I don't know how many points he got on the back end. I don't know all this right. stuff, but it behooved him to get everybody in theaters to see the Patriot. And so that's why he's saying it's the best movie he's ever been a part of. Right. Right. And, and that's it, part of Hollywood. Right. And yeah. all that. Although to his credit, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember being young when that movie came out, it was everywhere. It I was, liked it. it. Was, I, it was, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, riveting and different. Um, yeah. You know, still alongside, and then he did Passion to the Christ, I guess. So mm -hmm. there we go. Uh, all right. So our high water mark today, um, moving forward unceremoniously from the Patriot, 
George Lucas, the great George Lucas. He is the Phil Jackson of cinema. Yeah. <laughs> At least visually. I kind of like Phil, that. Phil Jackson, the George Lucas of basketball. I like that. <laughs> Which way do we go here? Um, they could be brothers, right? I thought they were. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but George Lucas. George Lucas, does he have a middle name? I was going to call him by it. Oh, George Walton Lucas Jr. There we go. Nice. Um, the, the mastermind that gave us Star Wars, um, gave Harrison Ford a career almost single-handedly. Mm-hmm. Um, gave us Howard the Duck. Howard the Okay. <laughs> gave us more yeah, Star Phil Wars. Yeah, Jackson's didn't give us no Howard the Duck. Um, <laughs> did, and and, and it, did, did George Lucas also give us Ron Howard, right? Yeah. Uh, because Ron Howard's career on Happy Days arguably is, is kind of a carbon copy of his role in American Graffiti. And, and then, you know, obviously from Happy Days, it kind of puts him into the stratosphere with... Uh, well, I guess, no, I guess Opie. <laughs> I guess Opie counts. I think Ron Howard is well adjusted enough that he would have found something. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, uh, like, like Andy Griffith. You know. Wait. So um, if we're if we're he, running the long game here, did George Lucas give us Bryce Dallas Howard? Well, again, yeah, or Andy Griffith. He has to maybe share that with Andy Griffith. Well, well, dare I say, almost more importantly, he most assuredly gave us Harrison Ford, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, so let's do a shallow dive into the uh, life and career of George Walton Lucas Jr., uh, and then we'll we'll kind of give our takes on 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 high water mark. All right. So, um, Maverick filmmaker, obviously in the beginning. Um, when did THX come out? Like seventy one. That sounds right. His, yeah. His student project or the actual film? The film. Yeah, he graduated 71. from USC in 66, 67, something like that. Um, and he he count he co-founded American Zeotrope with Francis Ford Coppola. So there's already like right out of college, these two guys who would become two of the most influential filmmakers in the history of mm-hmm. Hollywood, if not the greatest, because you know that's a debatable thing, but definitely two of the most influential filmmakers in the history of Hollywood. Uh, they come out with uh, American Zeotrope. Um, THX 1138, 1138. How do we, how do, what's the actual way to say that? I say 1138, but I don't know if that's the way they say it. Well, yeah. Americans would always say 1138. So, right. And George Lucas is as American as we get. So, American um, and, and you said his student project was it a student project first? Yeah. It was a student project first, and then he went back and redid it with uh, Robert Duvall as the lead. Got it. Uh, and, and that's a, a film that not a lot of people have seen. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I guess I'll go back and watch it. Um, but my introduction to George Lucas, even though it was way after I was born, way after was American Graffiti, uh, which gave us Harrison Ford, right? Mm-hmm. Um, moving past American Graffiti, this is going into the late 70s, right? 75, 76. And he has a his passion project, his his great design, right? Star Wars. Uh, and Star Wars gets him in trouble with the Director's Guild, right? Because he doesn't want to do opening credits. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and so he leaves the Guild. Uh, he loses Steven Spielberg as a potential director. And 
you know, basically throws pie in everybody's faces when Star Wars becomes the greatest film for sure of the 70s, but you know, maybe for the next until the next Star Wars came out. Yeah. Right. Uh writing Wait, on the does it does it beat out uh uh Jaws? I think so. I would agree that it's it's as the impact, greatest movie of the seventies. It's yeah, impact sure. on the seventies and film culture. I mean, I mean Jaws, Jaws is phenomenal. Jaws got its you know tons of sequels closer together, but and Jaws is an amazing movie. Um, oh, speaking of Jaws, there was a Mandela effect in Jaws. So so we got there watching, watching, watching. Giant shark pops out of the walker. Back up, back up, back up. What's the line? We're gonna need uh, a bigger boat. Actually, no. The actual line in the film is, you're going to need a bigger boat. I know, Mandela effect. All right, moving on. Uh, so All right, so we, we're going to have to... So Taxi Driver came out in 76, Apocalypse Now in 79, Godfather 2 in 72. So we may get a little bit of pushback on Greatest Movie, but it's up there. It's okay, top, it is up there. It, it's up there, yeah. Hey, if you want to have a debate about it, leave a comment. In the yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't email us because we won't read it. Um, <laughs> but leave a comment. Uh, so moving forward, uh, he he reconciles with Spielberg. Um, he gets Irving Kirshner on board for Empire Strikes Back in 1980, uh, Return of the Jedi in '83. Uh, again with Spielberg, they got Indiana Jones. You know, now propelling Harrison Ford into the stratosphere with with back to back to back Indiana Jones movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Star. Raiders in 81, Temple in 84, um, Last Crusade in 89. Like, just we're just going to keep making Indiana Jones movies. Hey, um, off to a side tangent. tangent. Um, the original trilogy came out with three years in between. 77 so, to 80. 70s? And then and 80 to then, 83, yes. Um. Is that a detriment to modern movies now where we can expect something to get pushed out uh, within the two years of a sequel? Tell that to uh, James Cameron. Well, <laughs> well, like what Somebody I'm trying forgot to say to is James like, Cameron. well, I mean, there, there's Bad Boys 2 that took, what, 12, 13 years to come out? Uh-huh. And then bad boys for life, bro. Like, I think it's just a you know, films get stuck in development hell, and then directors have other projects and other commitments, and you know, I, I think that's one of those things. It's just one of those things, you know, because we've got like Superman and Superman two filmed back to back, and then you know, Lord of the Rings film all three movies at the same time, and then just wait to release them. Like, it, it's just one of those things. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for for those examples, I would give you. Uh, the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, which came, I mean, 2015, 2017, 2019, and we all know the story there. Well, yeah, and those were slated before they even rolled film on the very first one of those. Yeah, and, and so that kind of fast tracks it. But when Star Wars came out, like they had no idea what was going on, and that movie was figured out in post as well. Like that movie yeah. was saved with a ton of post production, everything like that, and then. You don't know how Empire Strikes Back is going to do and you keep your fingers crossed. And then so that might be the three. And then 
Yeah. Like, well, I think was um, Back to the Future 2 and 3, were those the first ones filmed back to back? Did that kind of set that precedence for that? Yeah. Superman did. No, Superman oh. before Back to the Future. Well, no, they were they were filmed simultaneously. Yes. But, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. But Back to the Future held the record until uh, Matrix reloaded in Matrix Revolutions as having the shortest time between releases. Oh, okay. Right, but that doesn't say anything about the camera time, like active rolling time. That's just between release. Well, yeah, I mean... Okay, so Reloaded and Revolutions were filmed simultaneous, but okay. yeah, You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's just a, that's just a choice about release dates. Again, Lord of the Rings could have given us all three movies at the same time if they wanted to. Or, yeah, or, but I mean... That that's to say that they worked on the story, the plot points, and everything at the same time. Whereas um, the the casualties uh, of the Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker were to do to a poor planning or no planning to begin with, uh, a weak choice in directors. Well, I wouldn't say weak choice in directors. I would say two directors that are dramatically different in the way they direct films where a cohesive story doesn't work with both styles yeah but um what's his face himself had to admit that when they Talking about got Ryan johnson to, no uh abrams it, abrams okay he had he had to admit that oh there was no real plan for the new sequels like well yeah obviously it now shows yeah, but that's not on them as directors. That's on. That's well, I, no, I, it's like, a yeah. There's a lot. Well, you dare I say, and this can be. We, we should say, that's finish on up on George Lucas. Yeah. So this is all. It is a director's medium, and these films are a lot different. And Marvel set that precedence where it's like we're going to let you play in our sandbox, but you have to play by our rules, and and so that's different. But that's the director can't say then I need to step away from this project because this is not my vision. This is not my story. Um, and get somebody else to do it, but that's right. this. So, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was going to say, just making a, a Ryan Jordan or Ryan Johnson, sorry, making a Ryan Johnson sandwich between J.J. Abrams films is a recipe for ridiculous. It's just never. That's why the director is so important on films because it's that vision just kind of ties everything together from music, yeah. visual effects, acting, story, all that stuff. All right. So, so back to George Lucas. Let's let's, let's do this really really quick. So, we've got. THX through Star Wars, right? The, mm -hmm. the late 60s through the 70s. And then we've got um, Star Wars, more Star Wars through Indiana Jones into the 80s. Uh, if you count his his hand in Indiana Jones, I mean, that's Spielberg's baby, mm -hmm. but obviously George Lucas is, is a part of it. Uh, and then you've got nothing from, well, not nothing, but nothing director-wise from, from after Star Wars through 93 until we get the prequels. Technology's finally caught up for his vision. We've got 93 into 2012, more Star Wars and more Indiana Jones. <laughs> right? Well, that okay, so didn't he own uh, Pixar? IL Pixar? ILM. ILM. Well, no, I mean, we know he owns, well, he owned ILM, but there was either something uh, sold off. Uh, it was either Pixar or... DreamWorks. Yes, ILM became 
Pixar in a way. Like that's, it was a branch and again, that's a long talk, but yes, ILM was kind of the, the genesis of Pixar. And yeah, I mean, but Pixar is older and everything. Cause like say, Pixar even, is older than, than most people think it is. I mean, a lot of people think that Pixar started Pixar, with Toy Story, but Pixar has been around since Star Trek too. ILM did effects on the Indiana Jones Chronicles, whatever it was. Um, and that kind of was a proof of concept. And then Pixar started making their own um, shorts um, and all that stuff. But it, yes, it, ILM is kind of the base of Pixar. Or um, I might be getting my history wrong. So, like, so, um, so when Steve Jobs, so we're, we're going to, okay, we'll do Okay. This yeah. It is, it is Apple and not. Yeah. When Steve Jobs left Apple or got pushed out of Apple. Yes. Whatever, whatever that was in yes. the mid 80s, whatever that was in the mid 80s, um, he essentially bought Pixar. I don't know if that's from Lucas. I don't, I don't think so he anyway, bought, but I think he invested in invested. I mean, that gives you a cap. That's a majority yeah. of capital investment, whatever yes. it was. Yep. But yeah. So, so Steve jobs bought, I guess, $5 million or something like that worth of capital into Pixar. Um, and then I don't know. I don't know if, if that's the end of George Lucas's involvement in Pixar after that. Cause then it got, know. it got sold to Disney. So I don't think he was no, very, it didn't get I don't sold think he was very involved with Pixar. I think his ILM, that's where he spent his time. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. ILM still does visual effects. Like right. they still do visual effects all over. But ILM was the base for right. Pixar. I believe I, I'm 95% sure on that. Yeah. Okay. So we, we'll, we'll can research. That's another, that's another story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's, let's, let's look at the 80s though. He's not directing. He is, we've got this weird Pixar thing going on. We've got developing ILM further to the point where now they are doing lots of, of work on other films. He's producing and during this time, right? Willow for Juan Howard, Howard the Duck. Um, that's all I got. Land Before Time, Don Bluth, Land Before Time, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. The not Disney, the not Disney dinosaur movie. Um, weird Star Wars stuff like the, the couple Ewoks oh, projects, tons um, of stuff. ILM Red, working with with Jim Henson on Labyrinth, Red Hawks and all that. Is it Red yeah. Hawks? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we have coming into the late '80s, into the '90s. Uh, oh, I guess early '80s. Skywalker Sound, ILM, and THX becoming like an amazing okay. part of mm-hmm. of production, back end production, post production. Uh, so he's creating this kind of media production empire that's not just LucasArts, LucasFilms, and Lucas... What was the computer gaming one? Was that LucasArts, I guess? LucasArts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, LucasArts and LucasFilms. Uh, so the 90s roll around, and he's back to Star Wars. Uh, episode one is what it is. <laughs> uh, you know, love, hate, Jar Jar Binks, whatever. Uh, episode two, most people love. Episode three, eh, whatever. Um we get no more Star Wars until 2012. He says he's going to start working on new stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Is that when Force Awakens was announced? Just about, I believe, yeah. Um, and then well, he was after- doing the 3D release of each movie. Right, uh, but I think that's like hot promo hype to, to... Like in 97, in 93 to 97, he did re-release the original Star Wars theatricals. 
to prep us for yes but so i think that was the same thing like 3d releases to prep us for the sequels was it his though i mean i mean why not anyway okay either way yeah uh 2015 disney says here's a bunch of money give us your baby We'd like to buy your baby. Mm-hmm. And how many parents go, okay. At least this I mean, one. How many parents are offered that amount of money for their babies? That's true. It's a $4 billion baby. It's yeah. a $4 billion baby. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Um, and, sorry, like, Jessica Beale. You're not. One million dollars ain't cutting it anymore. Was yeah. that Jessica Beale or was that Hillary Swank? Both of them. Whatever. They're they're similes. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they're the same in my book. Okay, Jessica Hillary Swank Beale. Um, anyway, so so Disney offers them how much money was that? Four billion dollars uh, for Star Wars and Lucas oh, that's it. Never mind. I wouldn't have sold. I changed my mind. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You offered Fox fifty-two billion and Star Star Wars? Yeah. 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 Whoa. Deals off. Oh, I mean, you you must have it like that. Yeah. So obviously, Star Wars. Do you think that even goes through his mind? Because the purchase of Fox was after they purchased Star Wars and all that stuff. Do you yeah. think for a second he was like? I should have held that for a little bit more. Like <laughs> just, just, just like for a yeah. second, just like, hmm, yeah. Yeah. all yeah. right, easy come, easy go. Yeah. <laughs> they called my hand. Wait, how many, how many zeros are behind uh, a billion? Uh, let's see. Let's see. Thousand nine. T million. Yeah. Nine, nine, nine zeros. Nine zeros. Like, do you think when that check, was like handed over. They're like, hmm, man, I should have held out for five. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but it's not it's not without its its downside, right? He goes, here's my baby, and here is my my learning and development plan for my baby. Treat her well. And Disney goes, yeah, we Wait, don't gotcha. Uh, <laughs> uh, it wasn't entirely Disney. We have to. You know, not point some elbows at uh, like uh, a Kennedy over there. Kathleen Kennedy, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but as as an organization, but I will I will tell you, it it's probably the best because we we saw how the prequels went and they were not whether you like them or not they're not without critical. Um, right. Well, that's know, this. and this gives him he could say, hey, I would have done it better. I had this laid out. You know, you should do my. And now there's even, you know, with the Justice the, League America the Lucas cut, cut. Like we ever wants a Lucas cut. It's not going to happen. But it lets, well, it's, a, it's it completely different it movies. Without, they, have to, they have to make three whole new movies, like the alternate timeline. And people, whether they do a novelization of it, whatever it is, fan fiction, anything, people want it. There are people that want it. And I think that's what every director, whomever you want, people ask him for more instead of because it was revealed through the prequels that George Lucas is not a strong director. Right. Yeah. I think that we can, whether good, bad, you know, he is not a very strong director. And so I think this leaves it that way. Like, okay, we want more George Lucas Star Wars stuff where we were up to our ears with it and we were over it by the time he was done with the prequels. Right. Well, there is a, um, a theory that was posited and I, uh, I tend to believe it 
the reason why the original trilogy is so great is because George Lucas's ideas were measured by his wife at the time. So as a single man, he went into the prequel trilogy completely unabated mm-hmm. or, or, you know, had his ideas measured by a, a practical woman. It's like, oh, yeah, let me do baseball signs between uh, Anakin and and, uh, and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan. Yeah, I, I don't think that's, it's just that, though. I mean, yes, that's definitely yeah, part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other part of it is, again, um, at least for Empire Strikes Back, you had a seasoned director in Irvin Kirshner as well. So it's not, so, I mean, I think that part of it's budget, right? Like you have to figure some stuff out and get, you get really creative when, when budget is very, very limited. Mm-hmm. So he's working within the constraint, the constraints of technology. He didn't have the technology that he maybe wanted to do what he wanted to do. So you have to figure that out. You don't have the budget. You don't have unlimited money. So you got to figure that out and you don't have unlimited power. So whether it's his wife, tempering his vision or Irvin Kirshner going, no, we're not going to do that, George. <laughs> right. Um, like, I mean, when you're Harrison Ford saying you can write this stuff, George, but you can't read it. Well, you're just an actor. Shut up. But when your director's going, no, we're not going to do that, George. You can't be like, yes, you are. Right. Um, and who directed the Jedi? What's his name? Richard Marquand. I don't I mean. Yeah, that sounds yeah, correct. Whatever, whatever he he brought to Jedi, you know, the direction was already set from empire. Mm-hmm. Just kind of got to follow the line. Yeah. Um, and again, he's a director, not a writer, producer, director, whatever. So mm-hmm. I think the prequels and George Lucas will tell you, he, you know, not just that we need this movie to be a success because that was the, the plan for the first star Wars. We need this to be a success or we're broke. You well, know, magic it, happens with the mm-hmm. prequels. It's like, I just wanted to make my movies. Mm-hmm. I don't care if they're finish my story. Tell yeah, my I don't story. care if they're good. I don't care if you like it. These are not your movies. These are my movies. Oh. And George Lucas was also really good about saying, Hey, you want to tell a star Wars story? Go right ahead. Tell your own star Wars story. He was really I, great about giving other people a chance to tell their star Wars stories. I wouldn't say that he would say they didn't care how people felt. I think it does, you know, give him, but I get where you say like, I have money, I have fame, I have, you know, I don't have to worry about any of this stuff. So let me tell my story. But I, I assure you, he wished that he would have, A, probably had somebody else direct it. I know he fought tooth and nail to have Spielberg direct it. And right. Spielberg's like, no one can direct this except for you. Like it's, And then, <laughs> you know, he burned the, the Screen Actors Guild. So it was hard fighting with that. And yeah, he's a storyteller. It's yeah. just, I, I, I'm sure he wished... And there's a famous clip you can probably pull it up on YouTube of him watching the the final cut of episode one, and he's like, "It, it, it is what it is." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> have you guys not seen this? No. Oh yeah, you oh. can almost pull it up without without the uh, the audio up, but it's like because it's in a screening room and it's in the corner. And just Wait. when it's finished, she's in the front row. It's just like, well, you know, it's a story. <laughs> it's, I'm going to have so, to go find that. It's, it's a space opera or something like that. But it's it's perfect. And you, he know, he's not dumb. He has taste. Right. He knows what's good and what's great and what's bad. And so he's, he's he didn't lie to anybody. He was like, hell yeah, guys. It just starts, you know, giving fives like we did it. But, you know, he recognized yeah. what it was. 
All right. Well, um, would you, uh, you know, playing devil's advocate, who would have made a better uh, Empire Strikes Back? Um, Irvin Kirshner or Steven Spielberg? Um, I think that for what the tone of the movie is, Kirshner is what it's supposed to be. Um, can I, I also, George Lucas famously said, the reason why you were chose because you're in Hollywood, but you're not Hollywood. Like he wasn't going to, he was a TV guy and he worked within that system where the, the movie was bigger than him, but it wasn't, his career wasn't on the line. Like, yeah, he's going to have a scarlet letter after that. If he does, but he's still, he's going to be a working guy. He can go back to television do all that stuff. And it, it worked, it turned out great. So it's, that would be just like, so when I go back in time or the ultimate alternate dimension, after I kill infant Hitler and see the Eric Stoltz cut of back to the future, I'm going to yeah. see the, uh, Steven Spielberg, cut Spielberg. Of- yeah. Yeah. Wait, cut of Empire. So you would kill baby Hitler. <laughs> I, mean, I say that all the time to people and nobody ever questions it. <laughs> I mean, like let's, Give him 16. Let him like, I want to see. No, I don't. No, I don't. No, I, don't. <laughs> I say you... it all the time. And I wait for someone to stop me. And it's like, yeah, kill him, kill him, baby Hitler. Let's do it. That's the first I mean, thing. We the alternate is to go back in time and, and nurture his art career. Yes. That's what I was going to say. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> no, want to see it. No. But if, like, let's, let's no, give him. He's let's... off. We're, we're killing him in the teenage years, whatever. <laughs> so, so you're Tom Cruise now in Minority Report. Pimpler, pimple-faced, uh, angst-filled Hitler is when I'm taking him out at his peak. Maybe not peak yeah. annoying, but once he's getting super annoying. Okay, we'll okay. wait. Let it. Let him be a kid, and then more you know, annoying just, than crying an infant. Oh, he's oh he's going to be way worse than that. Could I mean, you imagine yeah. an artsy fartsy moody? Hitler running around. Sands uh, the mustache, right? T- telling people how great his art is and how terrible Jews are, but that's a whole. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, if if he had gone to art school, if he had been accepted, would he still hate as many Jews? That's a whole. Well, <laughs> that's I mean, a whole other. This, this no, that's a whole. Because, because <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of people that think that Hitler was. It, things would have gone Let's take a moment worse. to recognize that he looks like Tom Riddle. Yeah, he is Tom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, just to be clear, fuck Hitler. <laughs> but not baby just, Hitler? Just, you have issues with me killing baby Hitler? What the hell's well, the matter with you? No, uh, to save <laughs> six, six million Jews, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, baby. All right. Um, Shalom, brothers and sisters. Yeah. So, so getting back on topic, we're not talking about uh, Emperor Palpatine or Voldemort. Um, what do you think? Okay, so we've got, we've got. I mean, we don't know what George Lucas has been up to for the last ten years. But I've got. Uh, I almost want. Sorry, can we, I share wait, my screen with you guys to show this George Lucas video? Okay, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Can we see it? Is that is, is it that right? Is it copywritten? It's or? all. It's there's no music underneath. It's, it's, it's just on YouTube. audio. It's fine. Oh, yeah, okay. I get, I'll scrub through. Hold on, let me share my screen. If I can figure out. Hold and on. as long as it's like screen and a screen, you can do it like a reaction video. Um. Okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, the toilet paper boys react to George Lucas watching the end credits. <laughs> reaction so to a reaction. This is where we've gone. Okay, so he's already shaking his head. That's not a good sign. 
<laughs> just blow, blow his brains out. <laughs> Oh, there's some other guy talking over it, but that's fine. We'll do a bad lip reading uh, after this. But you can sit like, so, all right, we'll go back. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can kind of, you you get an idea (laughs) that he knew it was not, it was not the emperor's new clothes. He had an idea that episode one was not going to be the critical success that, you know, maybe thought once he was going into it. They sold a lot of toys, and I had. Oh, and they sold a Pod Racing 64 game. Good ton of. It's a great game. I've been playing that on my uh, emulator. Yeah. All right. So. Sebulba. Uh, Sebulba. This is the the bad guy we wanted. Um, This is his disappointment aside. Let's see. um, uh, Okay. So, what's the high watermark for George Lucas? Rex, what do you think? Um, I, I would say that it is. The night after the premiere of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think so. So he he's Star Wars is is set. Empire's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, he had just adopted his daughter Mary. Um, his wife leaves him the year after um, Raiders of the Lost Ark comes out, and even though. Return of the Jedi had not come out. I think all the pieces were there to know that it was going to be a success. Um, Because I'm sure they had pre-production, everything, had talks, was probably, you know, talking to everybody on set about how great it was. He's the toast of the town. And I think that's where the peak is. Because right after that, his wife leaves him. Return of the Jedi comes out, but I don't think it's his vision. I think we... We've heard about how he wanted Luke to kind of leave as the the, the Ronin now, the, the lone samurai, the last right. one of the Jedi. Um, after that, he's in the he's in the Star Wars business. Caravan of Courage comes out, Battle for Endor comes out. He's an executive producer on Labyrinth, with which I thoroughly enjoy, but is not the critical success that I think these guys like. And then Howard the Duck comes out and then it's, and it's tough sticker. Yeah. Yeah. And will comes out after that, which I really enjoy too, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. At Armin hilarious. What do you think? Um, I think it's the day where he receives a call from Dave Filoni and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, wow, man, what is his name now? John something Favreau John Favreau yes like Disney has paid you four billion dollars for your intellectual property they made a a toiletry of the episodes eight and nine and then uh yeah John Favreau and Dave Filoni come back in with the uh, Mandarin to write the ship and essentially hire you back on as a consultant yeah we want you back (laughs) yes Disney paid George Lucas $4 billion to do 4.05 billion dollars. When it comes to that 0.05, that's a lot of money when you're talking about billions. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, he got paid $4.05 billion to do his own work again. I like it. All right. Yeah. Um, Let's not forget that he also had, um, cursory involvement on the eighth season of game of thrones whether that's good or bad eh, but he he did have uh, 
We'll leave that one off IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, So uh, for me, it is uh, premiere day, Captain EO Disney World. Nice. (laughs) Nice. You know. Love Captain um, EO. Yeah. At the moment, that was the most expensive permanent film. Permanent film, the most expensive movie ever made. So the reason I say that is, is Captain EO came out in 1986. Um, so all of the drama with his uh, divorce is not yet there, right? The divorce. Oh, maybe it's, maybe it's it was. Maybe the, yeah. Divorce was 83. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's, he's on the rebound from being divorced. Star he's Wars single. Is, he's got the neck beard. Star Wars is successful. <laughs> Indiana Jones is successful, right? ILM is taking off. Steve Jobs just gave him a bunch of money for Pixar, right? Skywalker Sound is creating the industry standard for THX in music. And now he's working on a project with arguably the most influential minds in entertainment, in all of entertainment. And he gets and to be part of that project. And he's not directing. Right. And he's not, he gets to do what he likes. He likes big story stuff and, and it's a media. So you're doing the King of pop, right? Right. You've got Michael Jackson and you've got got Francis Ford Coppola and you've got the production company that put cats forward. Right. Like all those dance. And it's Jim Henson. Mm -hmm. This is Coppola aliens and it's aliens. It's it's a blatant rip of it. But (laughs) I mean, whatever. Sure. But there's dancing and rainbows. Um, but just George Lucas, so what, so Michael Jackson, premier, Francis Ford Coppola. Premiere day? Yeah, the day that they cut the ribbon on Captain have, EO. Have you, and so, it's Walt Disney. On top of that, it's yeah, Disney. It's out. So when I lived in um, Los Angeles, they on the strip, there was this shady place that sold bootleg DVDs and all this old memorabilia. And they had the thriller jacket up there, too. Um, okay. It was, it was way too expensive, but they had a bootleg DVD of Captain Neil, and this was before it came back to the parks. This is where yeah. it didn't exist anywhere; like it was just out into the ether. And one of the special features is the live premiere show that they have. So, like Angelica Houston was dating. Yeah. I don't think she was married to Jack Nicholson at the time, and he's talking about how much he loves it and all of this stuff. So, all yeah, right. that's cool. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. We're, we're that cut, oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I bet it's somewhere. If not, I'll have to share it with you guys. I can I'll have to rip it and throw it up and, and put it in the Dropbox. Yeah. But it's but, really cool. It's really like interviews. They've got a little parade and all that. So so that's that's my my thing. It's it's ILM is designing this space opera. Walt Disney Imagineering is creating it. Um James Horner did the music. It's mm-hmm. Michael Jackson and Angelica Houston. Francis Ford Coppola is directing. And George Lucas gets to be a producer and and help make it all happen. It's good. And it's good. Right. And it's good. It's good. It's yeah, it's great. It's a, it's a fun piece of art and yeah, I love maybe not his best work. And then then Jim Henson, of course, or or the Jim Henson workshop gets to work on, you know, yeah. The, the puppets or whatever. So, yeah. yeah. All right. right. You sold me. Yeah. I'm with you. I think that's it out there in Facebook land or, or Reddit land or podcast world or wherever you get your podcast. What do you guys think? Um, to be, I mean, obviously we didn't cover all of George Lucas's career cause that's not the point of this. Uh, we just wanted to kind of 
talk about the man, the myth, the legend. I did it in the right order this time. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, George Lucas, and try to figure out what I think would be the high watermark of his career. Uh, we got, I, I sold Rex on Captain EO. So two votes for Captain EO. Whoop, whoop. Um, at Armored Hilarious has the, uh, you know, we want you backstory. Here's a bunch of money. Now here's some more money <laughs> to give us again the stuff we threw away, right? It's like an ex calling you back after, you know, like i want you out of my life here's a lot of money yeah i want you back in my life here's some more money (laughs) if you gave your ex 4.05 billion dollars yeah i mean i messed up (laughs) is is what i'm saying and i i I want you back boom 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 all right uh, what do you guys think? Let us know. Uh, thank you so much for the Digital Toilet Paper Podcast. My name is Jason Bear. I'm Rex Rebo. At Arnon Hilarious. And we'll catch you guys next time.